every moment is made even better with our pets. <laughs> and we believe those moments don't have to cost more money. So you can save on your dog's favorite food, tasty treats for your cat's late night snacks. Chewy even has prescriptions to keep your pets healthy so you can share more moments together. Like walks in the park, we've got leashes and collars. And those rainy days in, there's toys to keep them busy. Get everything you need for your pets, all delivered right to your door. Save 30% on your first auto ship order up to $20. Visit Chewy.com today. You are listening to The View from Laura's Window, a podcast where life is explored through positive Christian thoughts. Everyone has a window, and each window has a different view. Here, I hope you will find the view to be encouraging, inspirational, and useful as you walk through your daily journey. Sometimes our view may not always be clear or focused, but through this podcast, I hope you can have a much better perspective. So open up your windows, your hearts, and your thoughts to the encouraging view from Laura's perspective. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I am Laura, your host, and I am so glad that you are here today. It is Tuesday and it's not just Tuesday. This is also my very first episode of Tuesday's Talk, and this is where I will be joined with a guest, and we will discuss anything from the easy, light-hearted topics to asking the deep questions that make us vulnerable. Whichever direction we will go, our hope is to encourage and inspire each other and you as the listener, while putting God in the heart of all the words. So... Today is episode number 53 and the first of Tuesday's talk. My guest today is author Anna Hillmore, who wrote the book, Are You Ready? Choosing a Deeper Relationship with God. Anna grew up in rural East Tennessee, and she was the seventh child in a family of eight. She was raised in church from the time she was a toddler, and she accepted Christ as a child and was always active in church. But the activity of church did not meet her deepest heart need. And it wasn't until she was an adult, a wife, and a parent that she began to truly be discipled and to understand what it meant to have a personal, intimate relationship with God. And today, her desire is to share with others in the hopes that they will, too, come to the understanding of this amazing opportunity to be in the relationship with the God of the universe. So I am just so excited and I don't want to wait any longer. So let's just dive in. Hey, Anna. Hey, Laura. Okay. I'm hearing you well. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on in, um, being my first guest and talking to me on um, this uh, special episode that I've started on Tuesday's talk. I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. So I shared a little bit um, of an introduction um, with uh, what you had written on the back of your book, but could you 
tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, like your hobbies, your interests, your profession. And, you know, I read that you were a family of, you were one of a family of eight. What was that like growing up with um, eight in your family? Well, that's interesting. It's kind of like a small town in and of itself, right? <laughs> um, being the seventh child of eight, uh, actually, I don't remember a whole lot of us all being at home. By the time I was old enough to remember uh, much about home life, my sisters had all left the house. There were three sisters, then three brothers, and then myself, and then my younger brother. We were all three years apart until my younger brother came along, and he's about eight years younger than I am. So um, being the baby, my oldest brother tells me I was really spoiled. <laughs> so, I, I don't remember much about that, except that I got to play a lot, and I got to be home with my mom when I was little by myself and would try to help her brush her hair and sweep and uh, she she was a she was a good companion to be with she would take me out blackberry picking in the summer oh i remember i remember doing that when i was young with my parents and my three brothers we would go up on this uh, out in the country when it was it's called the hill that's what everybody called it uh, my grandfather and property and we would go up on the hill and uh, spend sunday afternoons and the weekends and just go picking the blackberries I mean, I have yeah. those in swinging on the uh, the tree limbs, you know, the big um, tree limbs that hang over. Uh, that was awesome. I, right. you know, it was just we, fun doing that as a child. Yeah, we lived out in the country. Our closest neighbor was a mile away, and we didn't have a telephone until I was 14 years old. There was a creek that ran around the edge of the... Um, the property where the house was and so we used to play in the creek some my mother was always worried about us playing in the creek I remember a vine down at what we called the little bottom where my brothers would swing off into the creek which we thought was so deep and it was probably about two and a half feet deep but it, it was a it was a good time it was an easy time in terms of um, not a lot of outside stuff going on social life for me was church on Sundays and Wednesdays Yep, same here. Yeah, my mom didn't drive. My dad was a truck driver. He was home in the evenings most days. On Thursdays, he had an overnight trip. So it was um, it was a good time for me. I got to wander around in the woods as a kid and and not have to worry about anything. So yeah, fun times back then. Um, yeah. What about your profession? What so you I'm a nurse practitioner by trade. I've been in cardiology nursing in some form or fashion since 1984. I graduated from uh, UT Knoxville with my bachelor's in nursing in 83. And my intention was really to go into critical care nursing, uh, specifically cardiac critical care, because my dad had died of a heart attack when I was a senior in college. Um, it's kind of been my mantra to try to make good things come out of the tough situations in my life. And that was the hardest thing up to that point that had ever happened to me. Um, it was interesting um, being the seventh child and uh, I guess being a daddy's girl. I remember when I was a little kid and he would come home and I would run down the hall and he'd <laughs> shout, there's my baby girl. And he'd pick me up and hug me. And so one of the fears as a child that I always lived with, and I don't know if other people do that, 
this as much as I did, but was the fear of losing my parents that they would die and I would be left alone. And so when I was 21 and a senior in college, my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. Um, I did get to see him the night before and actually stayed at the hospital with him. Then when I went home to get my mom to bring her back is when he passed away. Um, so that's what got me into cardiology nursing. And eventually my goal at the time of graduation was to become a nurse practitioner after I'd been out a couple of years, but life happened. You know, I yeah. got married, we built a house, we were, you know, doing things. And every time I thought it would be a good time to go back to school, something different was happening. So I didn't go back to school until, gosh, the year 2000, I went for my master's and got a master's in nursing administration. And then um, with the encouragement of some of my friends ended up back in a postgraduate certificate program for a nurse practitioner. It really was where I needed to be and ended up in my job um, by the grace of God, thinking that when I did my nurse practitioner as an FNP, that I would probably go into primary care and I was envisioning doing medical missions, you know, with churches and that sort of thing. And that, that really didn't happen. Um, truthfully, medical missions, I think is a wonderful thing, but I really prefer evangelism, spiritually mm, yeah. based missions. Um, I think medical missions has a place. Let me not, I don't want to disrespect that by any means, but for me, um, gosh, the spiritual has really kind of taken over, which is a good thing. It is a good thing. Um, this book um, that I have here, it's all about um, the reader. I think exploring a deeper relationship with God. And I love how you pose so many questions to cause the reader to think. And I found myself thinking on the same things and deep in thought, trying to find those answers. And um, I'm just curious, where did you get your creativity from and what inspired you to write this book? Well, it's interesting because <clears throat> Well, it's interesting to me. I hope it's interesting to other people. <laughs> it is. It will be. Um, my husband and I had always teased about writing. I've always liked a good story. I've read a lot all my life, and we've always teased kind of since our 20s about let's write the great American novel, and, you know, then we'll <laughs> sit at home and have fun and just, just reap the benefits from that. So uh, that's that's a whole different story for me now. But what happened was there was a conference that was available locally at university for a half day. And I went to listen to this guy who had been a, a writer and a publisher and had done this for years about how to do that. So I spent the half day conference and I thought, I don't really want to do the retreat that he offers, but maybe I just need to think about it. So Eventually, I ended up doing this retreat with him, which was four days, um, and there were probably 40 people there locally. I decided to just go stay at a hotel room so I wouldn't be back and forth and be distracted in the writing. So when I went to the retreat, the way he did it was basically, we're going to write, and you just write. You know, every And his mantra is, I'm sure to this day, and as is some other folks who are publishers and writers, everybody has a story inside of them and it's just waiting to get out. So yes. sometimes you just yes. know how to take that moment, that time 
and just write. And so I went to that retreat, not having a clue what I was going to write about at all. And I just had prayed about it. And I knew that the Lord had made this available to me. And uh, I just wanted to do whatever he said, but I had no clue. And so I just said, Lord, just help me. And I just started writing what came into my head. And uh, in about a day and a half, I had the manuscript finished there. It was really interesting because he said, when you're finished with your book, you'll know it. It will stop. Uh, there will be nothing left to come out. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly. Like there were no more words left. And it was fascinating. Quite an experience. How did it feel when you were finished? Um, he prepared us for how it would feel. And it's an incredible release but it's also very emotional. It's much like having a baby, birthing a baby. And uh, when I finished, I was like startled. Wow, that's exactly what happened. And then I went out to tell uh, one of the folks that was working there because that's what he said to do. When you get finished, go out and talk to Gwen and let her know. And I, I went out and I said, it's done, Gwen. It, it's done. And she congratulated me and hugged me and was so happy for me. And I broke down into tears. I cried and sobbed uh, for several minutes because it was just, it was just incredible and such a release. And then they said, what, after you have acknowledged it, go out, walk, do something, get out of the system, you know, get outside 10 or 15 minutes. And then he said, come back and start writing your next book. And did you do that? Um, I did come back and start writing. It was not my next book. I thought oh. it would be, but it's not. So. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I remember reading in this book about an experience, uh, an experiment you did. Um, can you share with us what that experiment was and why did you do it and what did you learn from it? Well, um, it was an interesting time in my life, and I was dealing with my children who were saying, you know, mom, when you, your resting face is kind of mean, that's not how they said it, <laughs> but um, I recognize that when I am still, and especially if I'm thinking, I can have a pretty mean look on my face, and when I was, um, when I would be out at the store or whatever, I would be pretty focused, and i thought, you know, I'm walking into the stores and I have this look that's probably not at all nice. And, and I was also dealing with the idea that God wanted us to be his representative. And um, how can we show him to the world if we're not kind of attending to it? And so what I did was I thought one day, I'm just going to smile at everybody I see and I'm just going to be happy. And so I did. So I started like I would just smile and say, sometimes I would say good morning or how are you or, you know, something. And I just observed through the entire day how things changed. Uh, people began to smile back at me. People began to engage. Uh, people began to open up like they might start a conversation. Hmm. And um, that's where it all started. And I thought, okay, so if I am a child of God, if I'm a representative of Jesus, I really need to be walking about with him in mind. 
and how would he respond to these people? And so that's, it was just an eye-opening experience. Plus the other thing was I had had um, a patient in the office and we had had some encounter, just a very pleasant encounter, maybe smiling. I might've hugged her. I, might, I don't really recall the details. But what I do remember is this, she said, no one touches me, no one smiles, no one is nice to me. I mean, you know, and and I thought, I see her once, I don't even know if I see her anymore, I can't remember exactly who she is. I may see her once every six months or once a year. And this is the only positive reinforcement or the positive contact that she has. So I thought, and it was important for me to to try to have some positive influence yes. in the world because it changed her attitude that day it changed her day so that's that's where it went well that's kind of similar um, when i used to teach and i had the pre-k class um head start and you never know where these children are coming from you never know where their backgrounds you know what their home life is like so every morning i made sure that i greeted them with a hug and every evening when they said goodbye, I gave them another hug and told them I loved them, you know, because right. you don't know if you just take for granted that everybody hears that and feels it and experiences right. it. Not everybody does. So mm -hmm. um, I completely understand where you're coming from on that one. Um, you also talk about that um, connection is important to the health of our souls. And now it seems like of all times, we need connection more than ever. Can you explain um, to the listeners how connections with others is good for the soul? Uh, my take on that, Laura, is this. We were created um, as individuals who are supposed to be connected to our creator. You know, um, I, obviously we're in a Christian point of view here. And I hold to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. And God created those two persons to be in relationship with him. Yes. And yes. he created them to be in relationship with each other in relationship with him. And once the fall came, then there was this distance and this emptiness uh, that we continue to try to fill with whatever, whether it's food, sex, smoking, drugs, alcohol, we're always trying to fill that emptiness and that void that we have when we're not in relationship with our creator. Um, but we're also called to be in relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And I hear that in the New Testament where it says, don't uh, forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of such it, some is, uh, but continue together, I'm paraphrasing now, exhorting one another Yes. Especially yes. as you see the day approaching. So we're to get together to uplift and encourage and, and help each other. And here's the other piece of it. I just want to point out when we are in isolation and, and my stress response, like if I am stressed, I just want to run away. I'll just be honest. I don't know what anybody else's is. I want to run away, like get away, get away. I just be by myself. And it's when we're in isolation, I think that Satan has a heyday with us and he convinces <laughs> us that we are uh, alone and that nobody understands and nobody cares and you know we're unimportant there's just so much that can happen when we're isolated so i think it's very important 
for us to have healthy relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're encouraging each other to be better persons, to be uh, closer with the Lord, and to continue to, to develop that relationship. We're never going to be perfect, not on this world, and we're going to have times when we stumble. But I just think, one, we're created as relational beings, and two, when we're not in relationship, we're at risk. Does what that make sense? Th yes. What do you think of everything that's going on right now? Like, um, I don't know. I see the commercials on TV. They're changing. Um, people are doing online church. Um, people are connecting. What do you think of that? You know, do you, do you think that this will continue after this whole coronavirus is over? Um, you know, what I think is that it really speaks to the resilience of the human being. Mm -hmm. uh, and it speaks to the resilience of the human spirit. And I hope that people stay connected. I don't think that this is the end of church as we know it or the right. gatherings. Um, but I think there is um, an awakening spiritually of a need and, and um, a loss of the shyness or the concern about sharing your faith. Um, people aren't so concerned about that right now. Right. And right. a lot of people want people to pray for them. They want uh, to know that they're in community and that they're having that support. Um, and honestly, I don't even, I don't watch TV, so I don't see much of anything <laughs> that goes on. Yeah. The place that I see most social stuff is on Facebook and um I really try to avoid things that are terribly negative, not because I want to be an ostrich, but because I want to be careful what I put in my head. Right. Yeah, I, I understand that too. I, I usually don't watch TV at all during the day, not till my husband gets home from work and then right. <laughs> we'll watch a little bit of it in the evening. So I find that, you know, I'm changing too throughout this whole process that we're going through. Um, let me grab your book. I wanted to, um, I think it was in chapter four. Um, I want to read what you wrote. <clears throat> Let's see, there's a section here and it says, I cannot begin to explain the why of many circumstances, yet we as humans always look for a reason. We don't seem to be satisfied without one. And it seems like today with all the anxiety and uncertainty that uh, people are feeling, what can you say? What do you, what, what can we say to those people that are looking for a why? And there's just really, I don't know, sometimes you just, like you say, you don't have an answer. What, what, what do you say to that? Um, I don't know that we'll ever absolutely know the why. I think it's important in, um, for us as humans to ask why about things. If we didn't ask why, we wouldn't have the scientific research and the advancement. So, so that's an important part of being human and, and trying to grow. Um, I think that we cannot explain many, many things that happen. I think we're, we're in a broken world, and we've been in a broken world for a long time. Um, so the why, I don't know. Um, I can tell you that what I think 
and this is what I think. God did not make this virus and send it to us as a condemnation or a plague or whatever. This is part of the human condition. Um, things change. Um, viruses have been known to change for a long time. That's part of the scientific inquiry, I think, into all of, all of that. And I don't think we'll ever find a true answer. So while I don't have an answer, I do know that um, my trust is in God because, you know, he knew all of this was going to happen. He's ever present, beginning to end. He already knows what's in the future. And so I have to live with that trust. It doesn't mean every day is going to be easy or good. I mean, there have been plagues throughout history. Um, that's not going to change, I think. Right. Things happen. The only thing we can be certain of besides God is that change happens. I, I kind of teasingly yeah. say the only constant is change. But I know that God doesn't waste anything that we go through. So for all the bad that's going on, he doesn't waste any of our pains. He can take anything bad and use it for good. Um, and that's what he does if we let him. Yeah, right. Um, I found this thought um, in your book was intriguing. You wrote that you, you just put boundaries, not walls. Sometimes um, people in our lives give us an edge of chaos. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Talk about that a little bit. What's the difference between boundaries and walls? Um, in, in my thought process with that, there were some uh, challenging times going on in my life at that time. And um, I won't share about that because it's a, you know, it's kind of a personal thing yes, and it doesn't yes. just involve me. If it just involved me, it'd be fine. I'd share it. Um, and, and there was a time when I just totally wanted to isolate myself from some folks who were causing some um, chaos in my life that I had no control over. So if you create a wall, you isolate yourself from a relationship completely. And that's um, perhaps sometimes that's a necessary thing, but a boundary is a healthy way to interact with someone such that it's not um, destructive to yourself. So you can't have a boundary if you're not clear about who you are and who they are. Does that make sense? Yes. I have to have a good sense of self about me. Um, and I have to know where I end and they begin. And that's been a process for me because I am a take care of everything kind of person. And so that has been my role. At least I thought it was. So are you a people pleaser? Um, it's to some extent, I'm really just a helper. Help, help, help. I want to fix everything for everybody. Okay. I'm recently finding out I'm a people pleaser. So um, that's something I'm finding out about myself. So I didn't know if you compared to that at all. Uh, I have been in the past. I think the deeper I got into it, the more I found, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram too, which is the helper. <laughs> and it, it took me a long time to kind of sort through like years to sort through the Enneagram thing. And then it finally was very clear. And I could remember some things from my childhood that made me obviously show who I was. 
in, um, in all of that. So it, as a helper and as a people pleaser, um, we have a tendency to potentially be in codependent relationships, right? Which are not healthy. And so part of that is identifying who I am and what's a clear boundary so that I don't feel like I'm responsible for everybody else's stuff. It's really theirs. And that's the hardest part to do is to give the, their stuff back to them. Does that make any sense? Uh, so what's the difference between a boundary and a wall? Like, <clears throat> is there a difference between a boundary and a wall? I think if I were creating a wall with someone, I would totally get them out of my life. Okay. Like they would be like, I would not even interact with that person. I would just totally remove them from your life. Yes. As much as right. you can. Okay. Right. I get it. I get it. That makes sense. Does that makes sense. It does. It does. And sometimes you have to do that to have healthy relationships with, with people. Because like you said before, sometimes it's not healthy to, um, you know, continue a relationship with somebody that is bringing you down. You have to have those boundaries. So, right. um, this one I cannot leave out. Um, I love the statement when you say you're not just a window dressing in the kingdom of God. Can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> Um, I think many of us feel that we don't have a purpose or for whatever reason, um, we can't see what our purpose is. Can you share a little bit with us, including myself, um, what you mean by that? Those that have felt this way, what do you mean by that? You're not just a window dressing in the kingdom of God. Well, <clears throat> I may have been thinking about it at the time. It's been a little bit since I wrote it. So I wonder if one of the things I was thinking about was people who, um, you know, accept Christ and just that's it. And they just accept Christ or they go to church and they, and that's it. You know, they've got a relationship, but nothing grows past that. Um, so that's one way to look at it. We're not here just to, you know, to get our ticket to eternity. Right. Um, but the other side of that that you brought up is, is that all of us have purpose. And um, even in our day-to-day -day interactions, like the smile in the grocery store, you have no idea how that will go on to change whatever's going on in that person's life. So um, I was having this discussion with my daughter a few years ago. She's now almost 18, but we, she's a great, she challenges me. Um, to think. She's a deep thinker. And um, I, I was thinking about the fact that not everybody is going to be a Billy Graham, a Chuck Swindoll, a Beth Moore. Uh, you know, we're not all going to be people who apparently, Stephen Furtick, people who seem to be changing the entire world yes. as, as we know it but each of us has a purpose uh, psalm 139 says he knew us from the time he formed us actually before he formed us in his mother's womb god has known each of us and what he has planned for us since 
before the beginning of time and he knew every day of our lives. So um, I have to walk in that. And sometimes my purpose is my most important ministry has been in my home. You know, uh, those are the people that I'm in contact with most of all. And if there is something past that, that's well and good as the Lord reveals it, but we have a purpose. And if nothing else, our purpose on earth is to point people toward him and to glorify him. So how can we do that? Right. If we don't become our best selves. That's good. I truly agree with that. <clears throat> uh, can you real quick <clears throat> tell us what you're working on now? Another book and where can we find you and where can like on all the social media, where can we find you and where can we find your book? Uh, so my book that's coming up is just in the uh, process of just completed the manuscript. It's called Quiet Contemplation, 31 Days to Reignite Your Faith, hmm. which came to me on a drive when I was having a discussion with the Lord. And, um, and the, the purpose behind that is because I think there are times when we have... Um, all fallen away regardless of how on fire we've been for the Lord that there are times when we're just pretty dull and we're not excited at all and we're just living life and so for me it was how do we reignite our faith and get back on that path um, that's in publication or in the process of being uh, published so I don't have a website for that at this point my other book is at annahillmore.com AnnaHillMore.com. I am on Facebook at AnnaHillMore, comma author. Um, I don't have an Instagram yet for my author page. Okay, so. I'll be looking for it though. Thank you. I truly appreciate you coming on today and being my first guest. Thank you so much, and I have sure. really enjoyed this. Um, can we do this again? Can you come back sometime? Sure, sure. All right. This is, sounds uh, good. Thank sounds good. Thanks, Laura, for having me Thank so much. You. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, this concludes my very first Tuesday's talk, and I hope it was inspiring, and I hope you were able to gain a more positive perspective. You can find Anna's book, that's out on Amazon right now. Please grab your copy. I truly think it will be an encouraging read for you. Also, look for her links in the show notes, which are AnnaHillMore.com. And on Facebook, you can find her at AnnaHillMore, author. Again, I thank Anna for coming on the show and sharing her thoughts on choosing a deeper relationship with God. And I also want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you will come back and be a part of this new and upcoming community. Please be patient with me, though. I'm still in the learning stages, and I know you will hear many mistakes. Um, I'm still in the process of lining up schedules with our guests who are located locally, throughout the country, and around the world. I will eventually post the Zoom video episodes as soon as I get it set up, so be looking for it. If you or someone you know have a God moment or an inspiring story to share, please send me an email to laura at theviewfromlswindow.website. And while I'm on a roll, I'm asking you to do me a big favor. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please look me up on Apple Podcasts. Just look for the view from Laura's window or just Laura's view or Laura's window and you'll find me. While you're there, pop me a five-star rating and a written review. I'm finding that the more reviews I receive, the more this podcast becomes visible to others. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. And I love you guys.